What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Hampton, your host. No, I'm just kidding. It's me, it's Lana. I'm the office manager here at Power Company. I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about something special we're doing. Hopefully you've been enjoying these daily episodes of essays from Chris's book, The Hard Truth, Simple Ways to Become a Better Climber. Maybe you're even thinking you'd like to snag a copy of the book for yourself. Well, it's the perfect time to do so, because right now, through June 10th, in celebration of the one-year anniversary, when you purchase a copy of The Hard Truth, we'll be sending you some extra freebies. And I don't know about you, but I love freebies. Okay, so in addition to a copy of the book and some stickers, you'll also get a commit journal, which is a little notebook that's easy to throw in your pack, jot down some quick notes or whatever, three postcards of illustrated charts from our good friend Brendan Leonard of Semi-Rad Media, and another one of Brendan's charts from the book, The Success Built from Failure's Pyramid, in the form of a refrigerator magnet. So you can slap it on your fridge or camp stove or back of a car, wherever. Oh yeah, and Chris is going to sign your book too, so that's pretty neat. So head on over to powercompanyclimbing.com, click on the hard truth button, or banner, whatever, and you'll get yourself a copy. The offer runs now through June 10th, or until we run out of the free stuff, so don't dilly-dally. And you can find that link in the show notes too, on your handy-dandy pocket supercomputer, as Chris would say. Okay, now on with the show. Train wreck. Five ways to derail your training. Training isn't all about success. In fact, much of it is about failure. Hell, climbing is all about failure. It's what success is built on. However, failure to make progress within your training over time is exactly that, a failure. Maybe that's a bit harsh. We'll call it a setback since you have every opportunity to reevaluate and move it forward. We all, at some time or another, will have to face the reality that we just aren't getting better as quickly as we like. It's that realization that should force you to take a step back and try and determine where you've taken a wrong turn. These little detours aren't always so easy to spot, as up to now, it's obviously worked for you. Not any longer. There are thousands of ways that your training can be rendered ineffective or inefficient. I'm assuming if you've gotten to the point of reading this book, you've successfully run the gauntlet through at least several hundred of those ways. Discovering the sticking point is now much more difficult. After much deliberation, over a list of about 25, I've decided on the top five ways I see experienced climbers derail their progression. Number five, ego. This one is especially hard to avoid. Let me first say that I believe ego to be a positive motivator when used with boundaries. It's when out of bounds that ego becomes dangerous and can manifest in a number of ways, including leading you directly into several other of the top derailers. Just a few examples you've all seen or experienced. The new girl, or guy, at the gym is working on a steep juggy problem, so you feel the need to go send the V7 you have dialed right in front of her then the V8. Then you downclimb the problem she's working on and back up it. Now you're pumped and stupid. 
Your training focus is on anaerobic endurance. And just before you begin your 4x4s, all of your friends are having a campus session. You know you're closer to doing 158 than they are, so you join in. You never get 158, and now you're too powered down to even complete one set of the 4x4s you've been closing in on. You're focused on bouldering for power, but a new purple with cheetah print project has gone up on the lead wall and out the roof. At 12 plus, you could onsite it and get the first ascent. You fall at the end, blow the onsite, and get pumped silly, which ruins your power session for the night. Dumb. Number four, performing too soon. Number four, sneaky. Good temps can lure you in with barely a whisper. And two weeks later, you're back to square one. The scenario. You've trained hard and smart the entire off-season. A month before your training cycle's complete, the humidity drops, the temps become prime, and unexpectedly, the season has arrived. You're out the door to the crag and putting in early work on the project. You decide to skip your workouts in favor of saving energy for the real thing. Next week, the temps are holding and you're making red point attempts. A week later, as if it never happened, the temps are back to scorching. Humidity is at 80%. You didn't send. Back in the gym, you can barely even send your previous warm-ups. All of your hard-earned power disappeared with the weather window. When the real season begins, will you be ready? Number three, copycat. I see this one often enough to find it alarming. I also often hear people defend their training choice by citing this common training mistake. Well, works for Bill Ramsey. Sharma doesn't train. Patchy trains every day. Why can't I? I could be wrong, but there's a good chance that you aren't and never will be Bill Ramsey, Chris Sharma, or Patchy Usobiaga. Just a guess. Ramsey and Patchy's training would maim the average human, and Sharma's style of training would strand most of us right where we are, if not below. You also aren't me, so you shouldn't do exactly what I do. You aren't the strong girl at your gym, so why mimic her workout? Smart climbers adapt their training methods to fit their strengths, weaknesses, available time, level of commitment, etc., etc., and so on, and so on. Essentially, you have to determine what is best for your training. And chances are that it won't be the thing that sounds the most fun to you. Just to paint the picture. You read Bill Ramsey's workout online and it immediately sparks your interest. I love getting crazy pumped while I work out. I love pull-ups. I love working out all the time. This is definitely for me. Sure it is, if you're Bill Ramsey. Here's the difference. You've now been doing this workout for two months and you still can't boulder V4. Bill could boulder V6 in his sleep long before he did 47 million treadwall laps. It's true. You now have amazing endurance. As long as the moves are V1 or easier, your money. Fantastic. Number two, doing the same old. Most people I know, myself included, are easy prey to this trap. If it's been working, why fix it? Campusing and limit bouldering have worked for me for years. Why on earth would I do 4x4s? The short answer, because you want to get better. This isn't rocket science. As you progress, your returns on the same workout will diminish. No question. In this same camp are the climbers who only work on their strengths while never attacking the weaknesses that limit them. It's the same thing, week after week, season after season. Even if you began working on your weakness 
and then never reevaluated, there's a good chance that it's become a strength and you're now stuck in this rut. Eventually, both of you will be left searching for the routes or problems that best suit you rather than improving your skills to make harder routes or problems possible. That's a sad moment because it means that you believe you've reached your physical limit. Or maybe you have reached it and you feel enlightened to have realized it. Better you than me. And the number one way to derail your training? No plan. I'm amazed by the people who come into the gym to train with barely a vague idea of what they're going to do. On Tuesday, they do a 4x4. Thursday, some campusing. Saturday, a little bouldering and an off-the-cuff core workout. Maybe some core with friends. Many of these people record their results in some sort of journal. But without a control and so many independent variables, what exactly is the data telling them? I'm guessing that it tells them whatever they want to see in it. I'm all for training by feel. It's my preferred way of navigating most of life. Regardless, I have to be honest about the fact that all of this training we do is an experiment, and without a controlled variable, there essentially is no experiment. You can't possibly know what caused you to perform better in a given season if every step of the process is an independent variable. You can think you know, but you'll have no data to back that feel up. Me, I've got a plan, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, so my name's Brianna Mazzolini Blanchard. Um, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, so Chris's hometown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, been climbing for about, it's been about five years now um, on the board of directors for the RGCC. So that's been really awesome working with the team to uh, acquire land, but also start some really awesome initiatives, which yeah. has been great. And uh, I'm a mom. I had an almost five year old, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, honestly can't believe it um yeah named atticus which is extra cool to me i think atticus is the coolest name so yeah it's a great book it's uh Mm. hopefully he can live up to his namesake i know he will yeah yeah um got a husband been married for like almost 10 years and uh he's my climbing partner and we get to do this life together and it's pretty great to uh just go on adventures as a family and climb together I love how you said that so flippantly. You're just like, I got a husband and like, I, I just bought him at the store, ordered him from Amazon. We've been together for so long. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, I was married because like, we've been together since we were children. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I would also add in there that you, that you're one of these people who brings this ridiculously positive energy that I think is so important to have not only just like in, in person, but you, you ooze it on the internet. And I think that's really hard to do, you know, um, you do such a great job of that. And I appreciate seeing it every time that I see it. So I'm glad, you know, I think it's important, especially like even after the last year and just everything that's sort of coming to light. And, uh, it's just so important to like, at times, you know, life is hard, but like at times try to remain positive through it all. So thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No problem at all. When, when I first talked to you, reached out to you about this, you had some really specific things in mind. You're like, I want this one, you know? Yeah. Why did this chapter seem like one that you wanted to talk about? I think that primarily with 
training and ways to derail your training. So most of the training that I've done specifically through power company um, has been really awesome, but I've not worked with a coach. A lot of it's been like my own, like I, I, you know, bought the ebook. That was the first thing I did. And then I did some of the proven plans and stuff. So it's kind of been quite self-motivated and, you know, getting in the gym, especially like, as a parent and trying to figure out the time when I'm going to train and make sure I get it in. Um, I've seen myself and also other people just like completely derail their training because of a number of things. And I felt myself want to jeopardize my own training sessions at times because of various things. Um, And like, I realized the importance of training. Like I, wouldn't be where I am and I couldn't imagine getting to where I want to be without really buckling down and not derailing my own training. And so that was what excited me the most about this is like, I get it. Like I see it happen and I see why people completely wreck their, their training. And and just not only like the number of things you listed in this chapter, but like so many other reasons too (laughs) beyond that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard. Like, actually really trying to improve yourself, whether it's climbing or anything else, is fucking hard work. And especially when you have a family and a husband you bought off of Amazon and, you know, you you have this this family and you have this this extra work that you're doing, you know, the work that you do, I know you your work is emotionally tough, you know. And then you're doing this work for the climbing community as well. Um, All of those things can combine to make trying to take up your own self-improvement, you know, seem like this should be put to the background, you know, or, or I need an easy way out of this because this is just really fucking hard and I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. And so it's, it's much easier to just throw in the towel or, or derail it yourself, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. You, when you add in all those other components, it almost too is like, should I take this time and be selfish to train? Like I could right. bring X, Y, and Z to like better the community or for my family or whatever it is. And so <clears throat> training almost seems like the, the bottom of the priority list when, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's equal on the priority list, at least for me, like I want to improve myself as much as I want to do for others too. And so taking time to be selfish and then selfish enough to make sure you're getting in like a two, three hour session sometimes is, is hard to do. Yeah. you know, it's kind of a recurring theme that's come up in these conversations. And and this is one of the reasons I, I love talking to people who aren't professional climbers, you know, who don't spend all of their time thinking, eating, drinking, living, rock climbing, you know, is that it's especially important, I think, to kind of continue chasing your own personal goals so that Atticus can see it happening, you know, so that the people who are thinking about, oh, maybe, maybe I would like to, you know, be on the the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition board someday. Is that going to derail all of my climbing aspirations, you know, they get to see somebody doing those things well and 
continuing to drive for their own goals. And that's so fucking important. And we, we overlook that so often in trying to put everybody before ourselves. Yeah, it's really, yeah, important for my kid to see me work hard, not only in, um, you know, the community oriented parts of things, but in myself and wanting to better myself, like it's important for him to like be in our basement, climbing with us when I'm training, like at our, in our home and like come to the gym with us as he always does. And yeah, just, you know, set in stone that like, okay, you can try hard and better yourself. And like, I hear like, mommy, you're so strong. And like, that's really important to me in that regard. And also, you know, in the example that I'm setting as a leader in the community, uh, I want him to see and experience things as he gets older and understand like what it took to get there. And that it wasn't just handed to me, like being able to climb V10 eventually one day, like that didn't just come like overnight and it took hard work and being able to, start these initiatives and do the things that I want to do in the community didn't just come out of nowhere. Like a lot of hard work had to go into it. And you know, that I probably derailed myself more times than I can think, but you know, the hard work paid off in the long run, getting back on track. Yeah. And you know, it occurs to me talking about this, that we very often sort of mythologize these women especially who gave everything up in order to help someone else succeed. You know, my mom gave up all her dreams so that I could go play basketball in the NBA, you know, or whatever the story is. We, we draw this big myth around it. And I want to hear more stories about the women who were great parents and kicked ass at their own thing. Yeah. You know, that's so much cooler to me. It's it's really inspiring. And I think it's really rare to come across. I mean, you know, like you said, there are a number of women who gave up so much so that their child could do X, Y, Z. And, and you see some of these young up and coming professional climbers who are headed to the Olympics because, right. you know, mom or dad or whomever, like dedicated all their time for those children. And there's value in that. And I, sure. but I think there's, there's value in, showing my child and other people's children in the community, like the hard work that I can put in myself and that I don't need to sacrifice. Like I can figure out a way to make it work and I can instill in my son, like that hard work is it's important for me to, to work hard, to show him how to work hard. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Question for you as a, a home wall owner, you know, you, you all have an extensive home wall in your basement. Do you think that makes it easier to not derail your training? Or do you think it makes it easier to derail your training because you're always close to all the other things in your house you could or should be doing? Yeah, I think that, okay. So I think in a way it makes me more inclined to, if I woke up one day and I plan to train and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'll just train tomorrow. Like it's here. I'll just go in the basement tomorrow. So in a way it does make it easier to postpone Mm -hmm. to derail in a sense, but you know, there is a privilege and a luxury of having a home wall in our basement that if, you know, 
something came up and I, I derailed myself. But later in the week, I was like, what am I doing? And I need to get in my basement and I need to train. Right. And being able to have that, you know, I think it I think it really can sort of derail folks from their training because it's in such close proximity that, oh, I don't feel good today. Like I'm tired. I'm not going to train. I'll just do it tomorrow because it's right here. I don't have to drive 30 minutes to climb time blue ash or whatever to train. Um, and, you know, having memberships to gyms and having, um, I think having memberships to dr- gyms is almost like a motivating factor because you don't sure. want to waste money. Um, so you go, you drive the 30 minutes or maybe less for some folks to the gym and you train and you want to get your money's worth, um, getting to the gym. And so I think it's, a, I think it's twofold. It's like a double-edged sword. You know, I think it can for sure. And it has, you know, I have used it as an excuse at times. Oh yeah, me too. It has. Oh, and another thing too, like I only have so much money to spend on holds. So things get really boring right. quickly. Yep. And, um, you know, sometimes I don't want to climb on the same set that I've had for a whole year. Yeah. And uh, so I think it can, but I think there is something to be said about the close proximity to having a number of different training resources that if you do, get derailed throughout the week or for a week or something like that, you have it to get back. Like if you've got someone to kick in the butt and be like, okay, you've got to get back to training it. You have it close by. Yeah. The thing, one thing that I've found for me that helps a lot because I'm the same way. I'm like, Oh, I could be doing work. I could be drawing another chart for an Instagram post next, next week. You know, I could be recording another podcast or planning this other thing that I want to make. Um, so I can always find a reason not to go into the gym. The thing that forces me in there is something that I talked about with Dan John in the episode with him, where we talked about intentional community and he opens up his garage every morning at a certain time, even though he's this world famous strength coach, Mm -hmm. he opens his garage door and anybody who wants to walk in and work out can come in and work out. And he knows people will be at that garage door waiting. So he goes down there, you know? And I think that's the thing that gets me into the gym more often than not is having a community of people who are also counting on me to be there. You know, that means so much. And, you know, that's what, that's part of what drives you to do the, the coalition work. It's part of what drives you to be a parent. You know, you've got these other people counting on you and it's so important to have in all aspects of your life, I think, to, to build that community around it. It's tough to do in a home gym though, when it's, you know, in your basement and it's just, you know, you can go down there anytime you want. Yep. Yep. And I like to Tricky. climb with people. I like to climb with my husband and, you know, sometimes he's not available to climb with me. And it's like, you know, every step down the stairs is just like, oh, I don't want to do this today. But, you know, it in a way it does help if I only have a very short amount of time. I found that to be the most valuable. Um, you know, if I can't fit in a training session, I can't go to the gym for something. Um, I can go down in my basement and and do some hangs or do 30 minutes or something and feel as though I accomplished something. So even if I am derailing my entire training session, I can get a little bit in. Yeah, I, I listed, let me pull up that essay here. I say pull up as if it's a digital thing. Um, 
Let me find the essay here. I listed four or five things that are kind of the top ways people derail their training. Mm -hmm. Um, Five ways, ego, performing too soon, copycatting other people's workouts, doing the same old thing over and over and not having a plan. Is there one of those you think you fall into the trap of more often than the others? I think I remember specifically before I ever started training, like, and I was going into the gym and I was hoping to just be able to figure it out and make progress on my own, that literally having no plan was not getting me anywhere. Um, But as I, you know, became more structured and purchased different plans and things like that, I think that the biggest thing for me was ego in, in, in a way that, you know, maybe not so much I wanted to perform and like show off, but like my own ego, whether I was a, was or wasn't accomplishing what I'd hoped to accomplish in a session, like the comparison trap, like the ego in a negative way, um, really impacted me. Like I'd see someone else like working on or flashing like this really hard boulder that I'm limit bouldering on. And you know, that, might completely shut my ego down completely. And so yeah, I think that throughout all of my climbing, whether it's derailing my training or not, like my ego has had just a huge part to play in my oh, success. I think all of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that's the most common way to, you know, to kind of lose your way yeah. when you're, when you're trying to improve yourself. Um, for me personally, just recently, it's funny, I when I opened to this page, I read the first sentence of number four, which is performing too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says number four is sneaky. And I fell trapped to that this season. I, you know, we, we got these days where I could go out and climb and I'm like, oh, I need to be in a training cycle. I know that works for me. Mm-hmm. I know that I go downhill if I perform for too long but I just kept performing, kept performing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm now I'm climbing at a level I climbed at two years ago. You know, I'm still trying to perform, but I'm not performing at the level I was beginning of the season anymore. And now I'm about to miss my training window because the next season is about to start, you know? Yeah. So that one, that one lured me in this time and I, I needed to reread that. I actually was lured into that, you know, the end of, maybe it was early this year, um, I had started a training plan and it was a brand new training plan for me because I was trying to work on harder bouldering grades, but I did end up going outside on a trip with an attempt to um, perform. And one of someone that was with me was like, well, aren't you like training right now? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Do you expect to be able to perform like peak right now? And, and, and really like, possibly send this and I'm like you're right like no wonder I'm performing like crap I'm in the middle of a training session trying something you know that's near my max and it was almost like oh yeah why why am I doing this (laughs) and it was the first time that I really got trapped in that like performing too soon trying to perform in the midst of a training session when like so that's not good I'm not going to be able to perform at my peak like when I'm in the middle of a training session it's such a tricky game, you know, the, mm-hmm. it, it all is, and it's so easy to get off track. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And sticking to the plan, like 
it's hard to stay motivated sometimes. And, you know, one of the other things I was thinking about is like, oh, number six, did you eat today? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. And that's honestly like some days I'm like, why do I feel so terrible? Oh yeah. I forgot to eat lunch. And and that's comes with the territory, like remembering to eat while you're in the midst of like taking care of your kid or working full time or whatever it is. And not, you know, staying like energized and, and, and eating nutrients and things like that is just like one swift way to just end it. Like you might yeah. as well not even go. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many times Annalisa has come home from work and I'm grumpy in some way. And she's like, Oh, you didn't eat lunch today. Right. I'm like, Shit, <laughs> you're right. Don't yell at me. You know? <laughs> So yeah, there are times I'll be like at the end of my session or maybe not the end, but you know, I'm like, Oh man, why am I like shaking? Oh yeah. I didn't eat today. And I'm like, well, no crap. I can't like, you know, do this one thing or, or work this one boulder or climb this one route or something like I, I didn't eat. <laughs> so it's yeah. super easy to just so many ways, so many other ways to just completely trash your, your training session. Yeah. And it's so important just to keep it on track. Even if, mm-hmm. even if you're not, you know, performing at your best, you're not training at your hardest. It's so important just to keep it on track and not let it completely get derailed and go another direction. Agreed. For sure. Well, I I appreciate hugely you taking this time and I appreciate all the things you're doing, the initiatives that you're building uh, in our next episode, because you're doing another one with me. I want to talk a little about your initiative. So Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Tomorrow, you aren't actually training. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this time